Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Rebel News live stream on this, a Tuesday, March 8th, 2022. I'm David Menzies and my co-host, well, let me tell you about my co-host. She is the only reason why I celebrate International Women's Day. She is the <laughs> she-devil with a sword. She is the Khaleesi of Northern Alberta. She is Sheila Gunn-Reed. Happy Women's Day to you, Sheila. Are we still calling it Women's Day? <laughs> well, you know what? That's a fantastic question. It's been so infiltrated by Marxists, environmentalists, trans activists. I mean, the women are at the back of the bus or off the bus right now. It, it's really perverse. I'll have a commentary coming up about that either later today or tomorrow. But uh, there is no march in the streets of Hogtown, Sheila. The COVID cooties have scared the activists away. It's an on. Online Is that event. a bad thing? I'm cheering for COVID today. <laughs> so I don't have to endure um, a litany of middle fingers in my face and uh, the do rigueur F rebel news chant. I don't know why. I mean, it's crazy. We have so many strong women working at this company. The idea that we are uh, adverse to women's values and women's equality is absolutely perverse to me, Sheila. I think I'm in the position that I'm in at Rebel News because of my good female judgment, honestly, <laughs> um, and my temperament, which comes specifically because I'm female. But yeah, like I'm, I, I don't even know how we're still calling it Women's Day after we can't say stuff like pregnant women, we have to call like pregnant <laughs> people. Um, so is it like... Madness. Potentially pregnant people chest feeder day because we chest can't even say breastfeeding day because that is also not inclusive. So how long like how long till we can even say happy women's day anymore, even though it's just another day. Every day is Women's Day here at Rebel News. <laughs> well, I, I am wishing you verbally a happy Women's Day to you, Sheila. Unlike a few years ago when Dion Buse, that little lizard, punched you in, a, in the face at a woman's a little rally. gecko. <laughs> and the gecko, right? So, and I mean, think of the perversity there, Sheila. I mean, that is still a video that lives in my head. You at a woman's rally in Edmonton, and this little creature decides to punch you, and you have the woman there, the feminist, creating cover for him, you know, well, until... They yes. secreted him away from me. Oh, yeah. So that I couldn't get him. Yeah. Uh, accomplices in a crime. Unbelievable. Yep. You know, but... Uh by the way, sorry, before we go on, are there specific colors for Women's Day? Did I hear that properly in the morning meeting? Are you wearing those on purpose? I'm wearing one color. It's uh, purple. The colors for this year's Women's uh, Day, in International Women's Day, uh, How if you chosen, will, folks. by the way? Uh, I, you know, I'm not sure. But I'll tell you, um, purple, green, and white. And I thought, hmm, what does this remind me of? Which feminist decks out in purple, green, and white. Oh, I know, it's Jennifer Walters, AKA the She-Hulk, right? <laughs> and, you know. Fair enough. That, that's probably <laughs> a great mascot for Women's Day because She-Hulk, you know, the stronger she gets, the you know, I mean, the madder she gets, the stronger she gets. I've and seen some of those feminists, by the way, they do look a little She-Hulky, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but the, the point I'm getting at, Sheila, is why are they always angry? They are always angry. It's like the old uh, joke, how many feminists does it take 
to uh, screw in the light bulb? The answer, one. And it's not funny. <laughs> it wasn't. Um, no. So I, I just Googled it. <laughs> I just Googled it. It yes. says uh, people have traditionally worn purple on International Women's Day. Okay, but they still don't tell me why. Is it because purple, like in the Catholic Church, like purple is a, a specific color for a specific season. Um, and I know that purple is traditionally like the color of kings. Is that what they're like? Anyways, purple, along with green and white, are considered the colors of International Women's Day, according to the website. These <laughs> colors have roots in the UK's women's social and political union from the early 1900s. Oh, this is some sort of communist thing, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Let's. And, and you are uh, quite right. Purple is, you know, automatically associated with royalty. There was a time in our uh, country's, well, not our country, but in England's history where the inappropriate use of wearing purple, if you weren't royalty, it meant a death sentence. I mean, per that's why the original L.A. Kings uh, NHL team, that's why they wore purple, Sheila. It was the connection with uh, royalty. So in a way... Uh, given who is, you know, who's who in the zoo when it comes to the feminist movement right now, they might want to rethink purple. Isn't that all about the patriarchy? Isn't that about imperialism, colonialism, and all the other isms that they're uh, uh, allegedly against? Oh, I just found what the colors represent. The colors of International Women's Day are purple, green, and white, according to the official website, because they have a website for this stuff. The color purple signifies dignity and justice. Well, that's a new rewriting of what purple means. Green symbolizes hope. It does. I, I guess. Well, when and, I, when well I, wait, wait, wait. Okay. wait don't, you got to let me finish. And the white represents purity, which is odd because so much of feminism is bolstering this weird hedonistic activity enabled by modern feminism. So I'm not really sure if they want to have white in there, considering like, again, white is a tool of the patriarchy. That's why brides wear white. That's why their dads give them away. The whole thing is just patriarchy. So they tell me. Um, so I'm not sure why they have white in there, because um I don't know. Some of these ladies are a little bit of a dented can, if you know what I mean. No, you're you're right. They 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 get themselves wound up in circles. They don't know what they stand for and what the colors mean. And and by the way, green, yeah, I guess purity. If you look at say the you know a beautiful photo of the Amazon rainforest, they say it's hope though. Green is hope. Oh, green is hope. Which is the opposite. Because when I look at green, I think green movement, and nothing about that is is hopeful. It's all just a big doomsday cult. Well, let me, let me tell you this. It was hopeless this morning when I took a container of strawberries out of the fridge, Sheila, and they were green, fuzzy green. Uh, <laughs> there went my oatmeal deluxe breakfast, I'll tell you. So not a lot of hope there. But speaking of food, I will celebrate International Women's Day the way I always celebrate it, uh, Sheila Gunn-Reed, and that is by going to the International House of Pancakes. Uh, I'll leave a $10 tip. That's purple currency right now. Is, or have they rebranded that again? <laughs> I don't know. I think they're trying to change who's on the bill again. Um, I should tell everybody what we're doing here because we've just... Um, who is on the bill right now? <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Um, I should tell everybody what we're doing because we're eight minutes into the show and all yes. we've done is complain about International Women's Day and I went on a tangent Googling colors. So um, normally, this is the Rebel News Daily live stream. 
um, where we talk about the news of the day or the things that prickle us wrong or that prickle us right, depending on what we're talking about. Like there's a, a clip of Ron DeSantis that really does me right. And we'll show it in a little bit um, because he acts murdered a journalist. Um, these should Ooh. send a bouquet of flowers to the family of the deceased. Um, anyways, this is the Rebel News Daily Livestream. You should just be hosted on Friday by Ezra Levant. But then the pandemic struck. There was more news than ever. And sometimes the best way to deal with the news that's changing so fast is to sit down and do it unscripted and sort of spontaneous, which is what we're doing here. And it used to be a great way for our viewers to support the work that we do completely willingly on YouTube because YouTube allowed us to do something called a super chat. David Menzies is having a battery problem with his monitor, I think. Yeah. Sorry about that. I, I can't hear you right now, Sheila, but uh, my... Uh, I'll keep going. <laughs> whatever they call this um, device is uh, creating a horrible buzz. But thankfully, we have a trained broadcast professional, as I speak, fixing this problem. Perfect. Uh, while somebody helps David Menzies <laughs> with his battery problem, I'll keep talking. Um, okay. So YouTube completely demonetized us, but... We have a solution for that because while we are broadcasting on YouTube, we are also simultaneously broadcasting on Getter, which is a great free speech social media platform. It's kind of new, but not really. We're in our fourth week live stream with them. But we're also on Rumble, Odyssey, and SuperU, three incredible free speech video platforms that allow you to support the work that we do completely willingly. So if you lead a, leave us a Rumble rant, which is a paid chat, or an Odyssey hyper chat, or a super you shout, we will read your paid chat on air and we'll address your question, query, comment, or story idea live. And um, I think we're going to try something new. So if the chats come in as we're talking, sometimes David and I leave them till the end of the show. But I think we'll sort of start picking them off periodically in spells uh, as they come in. So if you want to send them and you have to get away from your computer for a little bit, um, we'll try to do them closer to the time that you send them in. And I well, think that's it. We're all caught up. Are you fixed? I, I, I am fixed. <laughs> if, if, if I am indeed fixable, Sheila. Uh, and super producer Efren informed me that we have chats every 15 minutes. We're going to okay, stick to that perfect. format. And traffic and weather on the ones, of course. Um, anyway, so in two Can minutes. Can we show Justin Trudeau's <laughs> Sorry, Before we go on, can we show Justin Trudeau's yes. uh, wishing all of us uh, chess feeders uh, happy uh, Pregnant People Day? Today we're celebrating the women, girls, and gender diverse people, male getting up in our space again, people who are challenging norms and harmful stereotypes, breaking down barriers and empowering others and serving as role models for us all. Literally, we can't even have a day yeah, <laughs> without well, um, gender diverse people getting in there. Sheila, I'm not trying to be funny here, but really, what does gender diverse mean? I mean, the name of this day is guys. International Women's Day. I mean, for guys, it's guys. It's guys who <laughs> think they're women. And well, see, whatever. But I mean, like, we can't even have a day just for us. Even though it's called Women's Day. Road. Yep. Yeah. And, and before we get down this road, I don't need a day just for us. I don't care. I already have Mother's Day. I don't care. Every day is Women's Day when you're married to Mr. Reed. <laughs> but, but I don't need a special day. But if you're going to make me a special day called Women's Day, could you, it just be about women maybe, please? 
Yeah. And, you know, this tweet coming from uh, Gropey McGroper, uh, and of course, she, right. the victim, experienced it uh, differently. Uh, never truly apologized for that. That's a little rich. That's a little perversely ironic to me, Sheila. Oh, for sure. Um, but, you know, never miss an opportunity to virtue signal about how tolerant and progressive you are. That's the story of Justin Trudeau. In the meantime, uh, Tamara Lich got out just in time for Women's Day. Congratulations, Tamara. Wow. There you uh, go. Prisoner of the state, Tamara Lich, convoy organizer. She was granted bail yesterday after I think it was 17 or 18 days in jail for the crime of counseling to commit mischief, which is, again, I stress, counseling someone to be annoying in public. So for saying, hey, you should keep honking your horn. That would be really cool. That landed Tamara in jail for almost three weeks, a, a political prisoner of the state. Yep. Um, if she were convicted, she would not serve a day in jail. Yep. And she spent 17 or 18 in pretrial custody, uh, denied bail the first time around. She was released on appeal. She has to leave. Ottawa within 24 hours, be out of Ontario within 72 hours, uh, alongside orders to stay off social media. This is the crazy one. Not protest COVID-19 policies and have no contact with any of the co-accused. They're treating her like a sex offender, that she's on a social media prohibition and she can't come in contact with the co-accused. This is crazy. This lady is in trouble for counseling to commit mischief. Meanwhile, if you recall last month, Sheila, the uh, Antifa jabroni in Winnipeg that used his vehicle to slam yeah. into people, he was granted bail immediately. Um, yeah. You know, it, we have an upside down justice system here. We have somebody counseled to create mischief. It, you're in the slammer uh, for your pretrial period. Um, yeah. Someone using a vehicle as a, a weapon, bail automatically. Killing an ally and partially blinding another. Well, that's a $10.5 million check in your bank account. Wow, Sheila, we really have our priorities straight. Before we go to the T Tamara Leach uh, video, it is 15 past the hour. So I think do we have some of our uh, super chats in? Let's take a peek. Um, yeah, I was just thinking about uh, the next story that we have coming up to about uh, Steve Bell. It looks like we don't have any chats yet. Oh, no, wait, we got one. From Roly Poly, Oli, Mahalo, adorable, deplorable rebels. Greetings from Chicago land, crooked Illinois. I'm offended by Women's Day. I identify as Z Zer. What the heck? Well, good news because Justin Trudeau gave a special shout out to you if you are gender diverse. Happy. Women's Day. Yeah, but I I'd like guess. to make a, a quick correction given that we're broadcasting out of Canada. It's not Z Zer, it's Z Zer. There you go. No, it's spelled Z. They spelled it Z. <laughs> I know, but we pronounce it Z. Even if it says Z E E. <laughs> That's my rule. Listen, I want to know. Here's can someone explain this? In every English speaking country in the world, okay? Canada, Australia, England, Wales, Scotland, Ireland, you name it, the last letter of the alphabet is pronounced Z. Somehow, only in the United States of America, it's Z. Why? How did this happen? David, in Saskatchewan, they call hoodies a bunny hug. I don't know. It's just local dialect. Just don't lose any sleep over it. Don't fight with the Americans. They're money signs. I, I love the Americans, but the small stuff does make me sweat sometimes, Sheila. I also am, I don't like how Americans take out all those extra vowels out of their stuff, like neighborhood, color. 
they yank out the extra U. Leave it yes. in there for fun. <laughs> Uh, anyways, we've got Ottawa Police Chief Steve Bell, uh, or sorry, Acting Police Chief, the one of the worst uh, law enforcement officials, I think, in the free world, probably. Um, he is investigating, and they may face discipline, Ottawa cops who allegedly supported the convoy. So the, I guess the Ottawa cops who didn't like billy club people across the head like baby seals um, didn't uh, pepper spray journalists, shoot journalists at point blank range with pepper canisters. He says that these cops who expressed a political opinion, they may face discipline. And this is crazy because I'm old enough to remember, was it last summer, the summer before with BLM in Ottawa and uh, Justin Trudeau was taking a knee with them, the police, as long as they supported BLM, perfectly fine in Ottawa, by the yeah. way, in Ottawa. Yep. Mm -hmm. But if you have an alternative political opinion, as in, I think people should be allowed to have civil liberties, which I guess is a controversial opinion if you work for the police now, um, you could get uh kicked off the force. And Sheila, all this does is leave us with the worst of the worst cops working, by the way. You're 100% right. But uh, here's what I want to understand. What is the definition in this context of the word support? I mean, like you said, because they didn't react violently with protesters, that kind of passivity is uh, deemed to be support. Because I was there for several days of the convoy protest. I didn't see uh, Ottawa police officers holding signs or waving flags or what have you. Um, so I'm really, you know, curious how interim police chief Bell defines the word support. Well, I'm reading through it and it says, he says, these are serious allegations. It's in the Ottawa Sun. If they're proven to be substantiated, we'll look at appropriate discipline in those circumstances. Um, so he's looking at whether or not police officers donated to the campaign, it sounds like. So several oh. data breaches targeting the Christian crowdfunding website Give, Set, Go in February revealed the names of more than 100,000 donors who raised millions for the Freedom Convoy and adopt the trucker campaigns. Ottawa police officers were among them, according to reports from CBC and the Toronto Star, who leafed through stolen data yep. of doxxed <clears throat> innocent Canadians to find the bad guys. Um, and are and now those contacting those people. Cops. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, goodbye to privacy, I suppose. Yeah. And like you said, uh, when this was Black Lives Matter, that was support for the cause, Sheila, because as you said, they were taking a knee uh, in the solidarity of Black Lives Matter, including, by the way, the prime minister. So he's taking a knee against himself. He is the prime minister of Canada. I did not, never understood that, Sheila. This is I mean, and then, uh, of course, naturally, as always, they find some like outlandish university professor who says <laughs> that this is evidence of like the far right infesting police forces. <laughs> Has anybody actually seriously examined the behavior of the police forces over the last two years? Yeah, they aren't far right freedom lovers. I'll tell you that much. And if they were, they've been fired <laughs> from the police force um, for not wanting to participate in the biomedical police state. There's always mm. some like uh, this professor who examines police actions says this is evidence of <laughs> far right infiltration into the police force and it's like um this idea that people who might 
be willing to put on a uniform and defend the civil liberties of their Canadians that they might uh, like their community that they might have conservative leanings? Why is that frightening to people? Why does that stun them? It, when I look at this, sometimes I'm always like, I'm, I'm sort of shocked at the low levels of conservatives that are in policing because it seems like a job that conservatives would want to do. You're right, Sheila. Uh, but it's all about that hidden agenda. So hidden, I think it's somewhere near the Earth's core right now. Yeah, and it's never going to Stephen ever. Harper's agenda. <laughs> Stephen Harper's hidden agenda. We never did find it after 10 years in government. Uh, moving right along to the next thing. Excuse me, I'm sniffing a whole heck of a lot today. Um, we've got uh, a video from Steve Bell, again, the worst uh, police officer in the country today, where he <laughs> vows to rebuild trust that was lost during the protest. And he doesn't mean normal people who looked upon the actions of the police in Ottawa with horror and disgust. He wants to build trust with people who don't think they acted swiftly enough or brutally enough. Yeah. Um, so let's roll that uh, clip of Steve Bell, if we have it, please. I think Olivia is still looking for it. Uh, oh, we got it. Here we go. Yeah, so it, it, Patricia, it's a great observation. And we had over the last number of years what, what I would call fractured trust with, with some of our communities, some of our more marginalized, some of our racialized indigenous and faith-based communities. Uh, the trucker convoy put an even harder strain on that relationship. So today, um, what you saw was a culmination of uh, multi, uh, two week, last two weeks having conversations in the community and, and them, those groups really trying to figure out exactly how we were going to move ahead. So I thought it was really important to reach out to those communities, all of our community directly to, to lay out uh, the progressive agenda that we were going to continue to maintain and, and how we were going to move ahead on that. A lot of the frustration from downtown residents and downtown businesses who were affected was watching this happen and thinking, Police are not doing enough. Why are they not moving in and starting the effort of clearing this out? And you had this discussion today on News Talk 580 CFRA saying that some officers were not on side with what you were trying to do and what the force was trying to do and may Thank actually God. have been subverting what police were there to do. How are you Thank handling you. that part of the situation? Uh, so there's a couple pieces of that. F first off, I, I think you saw how complex and, and massive the undertaking was to eventually move out the occupation that were in the streets. So that took time to plan, took time to implement, and took time to actually execute in a safe way. That being said, we know from the early days there, there was some officers um, who we've started to do internal investigations around uh, who may have been sympathetic or, or assisting uh, with the conflict efforts. So uh, I've been really clear from the beginning that there's there's no room for that. There's no room for supporting unlawful activity if you're a member of this police service. So um, we will continue to investigate those. That We take it extremely seriously and we'll use everything within our power to address that. I mean, long before this convoy situation, there had been an acknowledgement that there was some racism and some sexism issues with that that existed in the police force. Uh, your predecessor here slowly was trying to to get that message out and it was not always well received. Is that a problem in the service? Do you think there are people who are not willing to accept that overall change needs to happen? 
So what we know, and it was it was a it was a, a discussion that was really well championed and well led by Chief Slowly, uh, that it's a tough conversation to have in policing, in the media, in in education, in healthcare, anywhere. It's tough to have that conversation around systemic racism. But it is is so important that we learn as an organization, as institutions, on how to have that. I think over the last number of years we've matured as an organization where. Uh, we can actually start to have those dialogues and discussions and, and even more importantly, can start to really identify the, the things and issues within our organization that contribute to systemic racism, systemic misogyny, or other circumstances that don't allow everyone to work in a, a, an inclusive environment. And Steve, you obviously yeah, came in at such a difficult time. Wow. <laughs> I've had enough of Police Chief Caillou lecturing us about... <laughs> Um, <laughs> systemic racism and systemic misogyny. I just watched a Métis woman spend 17 or 18 days in jail yeah. at the hands of his police force for uh, incitement or counseling to commit mischief. Um, g listening to this guy say that he had people in his police force not willing to do the authoritarian things that he was asking them to do and then investigating them. He, and then he says, we've got to reach out to the people who think we didn't do enough or that we behaved wrong. Nothing happened to those people. Yeah. I want to see an investigation into the treatment of peaceful protesters, the pepper spraying, the 197 arrests, the long-term detention, detention for minuscule infractions, the destruction of property, the smashed out windows of truckers, their, their vehicles are written off in some cases based on the damage and vandalism that happened at the hands of the police or were enabled by the hands of the police. Journalists were pepper sprayed, pepper sprayed. Guillaume was pepper sprayed right in his face. Alexa was beaten on yep. camera and shot at point-blank range with a pepper canister, pepper sprayed in the face. No mention of that. No. We're talking about marginalized communities. Nothing happened to them. <clears throat> Nothing happened to them. Not a thing. Sheila, uh, that's the thing, too. When I went to the press conference last month and my question to uh, Inter Chief Bell was about the Alexa situation, which was absolutely the most serious thing I saw in terms of police violence. I mean, imagine getting a canister shot at you point blank right in the thigh. And uh, she has the pictures of the bruises to prove it. And thank God it was her thigh, Sheila, instead of her face. Otherwise, I fear the conversation would be radically different right now. And Chief Bell said uh, he wasn't aware of this situation. And yet just a half hour before the press conference, uh, Alexa was interviewed by RT. Well, back when RT you could get on a Canadian uh, cable system, uh, how quick that change. So what I'm saying is we're getting international publicity and the chief, this detective, this investigator um, was unaware of this. How could you be unaware? And still to this day, I understand an investigation has not been opened, but the way he closed the press conference, Sheila, when questions were over, where um, was Chief uh, Bell 
thanking the mainstream media for their great coverage. And oh, by the way, we are taking it upon ourselves to investigate those out there in the field like Evan Soyboy Sullivan, uh, who were uh, given the F-bomb or, uh, you know, were the recipient of verbal slurs. Yeah, full speed away on that investigation because some CBCers and uh, CTVers had their uh, sensibilities uh, fractured, but when it comes to a real fracture like uh, Alexa Lavoie, well, you know, nothing to see here. That's just rebel news. Uh, she was asking for it. Yeah, let's talk about misogyny for a second yeah. here, because he says there's systemic misogyny in the police force. Maybe don't run over old ladies with walkers. Now that was the Toronto Police Mounted Unit, but they yeah. were acting under the direction of the uh, Ottawa Police. We've got the. Um, mounted ride team the rcmp mounted ride team joking about what happened to that lady oh yeah oh that's a maneuver that we should learn and they should hear the our jack boots on the street um maybe don't shoot lady journalists with pepper spray canisters and beat them up maybe don't imprison peaceful protesters like tamara lich for 17 or 18 days i gotta listen to Police Chief Caillou talk about systemic <laughs> misogyny in the police force without pointing out the bad actions of people out operating under his direction, directed at women. Sorry, I don't, I'm not, I'm not buying it. But Sheila, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to defend the Toronto Police Mounted Unit. Uh, they thought they were in Ottawa to shut down a barbecue restaurant. They had no idea right. what they were in for. That's, that's how they're employed in Hogtown, folks. And I can see by the clock on the wall, it is 1230. More? Chats on the 15s. Uh, we don't have any chats, I don't think. Impossible. So if, no, nothing. <laughs> so you guys should send us some chats. Oh, we've got, no, ah, uh, somebody just sent us one. Uh, Leslin Lewis, we can skip ahead, I guess, to uh, my comments on Jean Charest. Um, <laughs> Leslin Lewis and Jean Charest just declared, what are your thoughts? I've got thoughts. I, I have thoughts. Um, and uh, Reality Check just sent us a $20 shout on Super U. So that's incredible. Um, Bill Howard was the one who asked us about Lewis and Jean Charest. So, uh, Jean Charest, a former Quebec premier, perpetual loser, uh, federally speaking, um, and carbon tax pusher. Yeah. Um, I think he was on the Eco Fiscal Commission, which actually wants to criminalize going above and beyond your carbon budget. So they're going to need more jails for people like me. That's for sure. Lock me up with Tamara Lich. I'm going to be doing a hard time busting rocks for my carbon footprint. Um, but he's, I think, probably he would be one of the more progressive liberals if he were in the Liberal Party. I'm not sure how he fits into the conservative party of Leslin Lewis or Pierre Polyev or Garnet Jenis. I just don't see it. Um, but he thinks that, like, I guess, Peter McKay, this is his turn. And so he's just going to run now. And we're all supposed to think that he's a conservative. There is a generation of people who have no idea who he is. And we need that generation of people, that young, energized conservatives who like Pierre Polyev, who like Maxime Bernier. You need them to win. And they're looking at Jean Charest and saying, who? And I'm wondering, you know, while we're dusting off all the like golden moldies of co conservative days gone by, what's Alison Redford doing? If we're dusting off unwin unwinnable 
uh, liberal conservatives? Where, what's she doing? Because she's the female version of Jean Charest. Oh, great point. And I don't think, uh, Sheila, it's a matter of who when Jean Charest's name is mentioned. It's a matter of what, as in what does he stand for? And when you look into that, he's yet again another liberal light uh, candidate. We, we've been down this road. I don't even think he's a light. I think he's just like full liberal. I, I, I agreed. You know, so, I mean, I don't know why he's not knocking on the door of uh, Team Red if he wants to get back into federal politics. Um, another candidate Patrick Brown? I mean, are you kidding oh, me? Sneaky. Did you see that photo? Sorry. <laughs> did you? I don't think he's declared yet. But did you see that Patrick Brown, when he was like a young teenager, he had a poster of Jean Charest on his wall? Oh, no. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of you funny. You had wrestling posters. Yeah. <laughs> you know, back when I was a teenager, the poster I wanted was, oh, I don't know, the Fawns and uh, Farrah Fawcett Majors in that uh, iconic uh, pose of hers. And he's got Jean Charest, that lying liar, that crying crybaby, that shameless skirt chaser. I'm speaking of Brown here, folks, not Charest. But you're right. He hasn't uh, declared. But I hope he does, Sheila, because I hope he has a ass handed to him in debates that would be a disaster if he got the leadership oh my Look god it. <laughs> oh my god oh he's so hot look at that Sheree. man look at that. i can't get past the curly fine uh hairdo of Sheree. you just need a bald guy and another guy with uh straight black That's hair the rex murphy hairdo <laughs> the new fro <laughs> <laughs> but Rex is a good guy. Um, yeah. And, you know, but in the bigger picture, Sheila, it's this. Uh, I love what Pierre Polivare has been saying uh, of late. Um, Leslie Lewis, I have a tremendous amount of respect for her as well. Here's my issue, and I'm not saying it applies to them, but maybe it might. We have been snake bitten in the last four years in terms of conservatives, both federally and provincially, running as true blue conservatives when they haven't got the leadership uh, credential yet or they've won an election, only for us to find out, Sheila, that they are red Tories. They're liberal light, whether it's Alberta, uh, Ontario, Mr. Scheer, Mr. O'Toole, we have been so snakebin, uh, and you know, it's another funny thing too. They reach out to us, they actually reach out to us to get on our shows and to say their piece while they're in the campaign mode to attain the leadership of the party. And once they do so, oh, what have you done for me lately? They drop us like a hot potato. So this is why I feel, you know, really cautious in throwing my support towards anyone right now, Sheila. I'm sorry. I've just been um, hurt so much in the last uh, four <laughs> or five years. <laughs> Do you know what? I, I don't uh, throw my support behind any one of them. I just I'll call them balls and strikes as I see them. Um, but I think it's really funny how 
conservative politicians expect loyalty from us because we are a right of center network. And when we are suddenly critical of them, the same way that they will get criticism from the CBC, they run screaming from us like their hair's on fire. And yeah. we're just being honest. We don't, we're we not loyal to you. We are not your press secretaries. We're journalists. And so when you do something good, I'm going to notice that you did something good. And when you do something bad, I'm going to notice. But I'm also going to ask you about it. Yeah. And <clears throat> we invite even Jean Charest, even Patrick Brown, we invite you to come speak directly to conservatives because you know what? Conservatives are not watching CBC. Um, so if you want honest journalism where you're going to get tough questions, but if you are good at answering tough questions, this is the place for you to be. We invite all of them. We will interview all of you. Yeah. We don't have a favorite. We don't have a, a horse in the race. My horse in the race is conservative voters and conservative values. Those are my horses in the race. If you're making promises to conservative voters, I'm going to make sure that I hold you account for those promises that you make. And I want to make sure that if a guy is elected as a conservative, he's going to stay a conservative. It's my job when all the forces are dragging your conservative politicians to the left. So the CBC, the mainstream media, academia, blah, 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 blah that it's our job as someone to the right of them to drag them back and remind them what conservative voters want. That's our job. I don't have a horse in the race here. Oh, 100%. All are welcome. And in the case of Patrick Brown, Sheila, uh, how about this as a proposition? I'll dust off the old pads, get between the pipes. How about we have a one-on-one -on -one showdown? Loser leaves Canada. Are you watching, Patrick Brown? <laughs> You're going to end up in the hospital with a dislocated hip. But I'll keep the puck out of the net. <laughs> Do you know what? We should have like a, a game, like a scrimmage of Rebels versus Patrick Brown's campaign team. Well, you know, um, that was suggested uh, to me by one of our friends in the mainstream media, a really good guy. I won't give his name because it'll just cause grief for him. But wouldn't it be great? We'll take on Patrick Brown and his Barry buddies, but we'll stack our team. For example, one of our friends who's an ex-hockey player, Theo Fleury. I mean, yeah. it, just that alone would uh, tip the balance as NHL player uh, and former Olympian hockey player. Uh, we would clean their clocks. It would be beautiful. But, you know, Brown is never going to accept a challenge like that because he's a coward. Oh, and we have rebel cooties. Remember that. Yes. <laughs> You'll get the rebel cooties on you. Now, somebody, you, the chatter also asked about Leslie Lewis. I like Leslie Lewis. I think she's always been true to her values. She's never been scared to talk to us. And she draws an incredible amount of support from the West. So yeah. we're constantly told that us deep blue conservatives out here in Western Canada, we don't like women we don't like immigrants we don't like people of color and she was our overwhelming choice out here in the west for conservative party leader wow. um this immigrant lady of color from toronto she was our overwhelming choice so don't believe what the laurentians have to say about us westerners because we're pretty open-minded because we embrace the ideas and not the demographics. You know, it's so unfortunate, isn't it, Sheila, that Leslie Lewis, back in the summer of 2020, when we had the independent press debate in Toronto uh, with um, 
the conservative uh, would-be leaders, Leslie Lewis, um, uh, Derek Sloan, Aaron O'Toole. And who's that guy? I keep forgetting his name. He hides in the bathroom when <laughs> journalists Peter McKay. Yeah, yeah, Peter McKay. And Leslie Lewis, I'll take her at her word. She had a, a terrible earache. But Peter McKay in earache solidarity. Um, he had earache solidarity. Yeah. Canceled at the last second. So what was to be a four-way debate was really a, a, a two-man uh, fireside chat. And this, this makes my point. I mean, I got to ask uh, Mr. O'Toole before he was the leader of the Conservative Party some questions. He honestly answered them. He was embracing a true blue strategy. And once he got in, uh, not only did he become a red Tory overnight, uh, on the day before the election, when we went to go to a an event in Markham, his henchmen forced us to stand on a road. Uh, they lied about the property line in terms of private property. And there was traffic going by at a fast rate of uh, speed while he gave a press conference to all the vipers in the mainstream media who hate him. Unbelievable, Sheila. Yeah, you know what? Whoever has the misfortune of having Corey Hahn on their campaign team, oh. that's the person I'm not supporting because he's awful. He doesn't believe in free speech. He doesn't believe in the press. And he just makes things up out of whole cloth. He knows that rebel news journalists behave themselves. He's checked me into conservative party events himself, personally, uh, and issued my lanyard to me. He knows we are professionals. We go in, we do our work, we put our heads down. We, we, we're working hard. The whole We have to because we don't have the CBC entourage. Um, and so he knows that, but he was blocking our rebel news journalists from events because he's just the same as Justin Trudeau on free speech and free press issues. He thinks that he can decide who's a journalist and who isn't in spite of the Canadian Constitution and our Charter of Rights and Freedoms. So anybody who thinks that way, he should be banished from conservative politics forever. I'm sure, sure he's nice, but he's just not cut out for the job he was doing. Sheila, this is so profoundly important what you brought up, and maybe some people might consider it inside baseball stuff, but it isn't, and it shouldn't be. And that is whoever becomes the leader, if they hang on to these retreads in the war room of the last yeah. two federal campaigns, you are doomed because you're right. Yeah. It'll be uh, bend the knee to the Laurentian elites, reach out to the mainstream media, uh, disrespect Rebel News and its uh, 1.6 million audience on YouTube, and you're going to go down. There's Corey Hahn. There, what a liar this guy is. Uh, I know. He was the one that is a building in Markham, folks. It was the day before the election uh, last year, and um, he actually forced us uh, the camera woman and myself onto a lane of traffic when actually the pri the property line of that building, it uh, starts one meter from the curb, but he said it began right at the curb. What a liar. And r as this is going on, Sheila, as you know, Aaron O'Toole is in the fetal position in his bus. You know, he yeah. wouldn't even come out. Like, we're he's Superman and we're kryptonite. Yeah, there's the bus there. Um, and, um, yeah, until we were on that street, uh, the press conference did not begin. And, I mean, uh, Han's parting words were so pathetically unprophetic, which was uh, Aaron O'Toole, uh, by this time uh, tomorrow evening, will be the, the new Prime Minister of Canada. Uh, not quite. In fact, 
He lost by every demonstrable benchmark in terms of percentage of the vote, in terms of uh, getting MPs in the greater Toronto area and the 905, uh, in terms of the total number of MPs. And O'Toole, as you know, Sheila, had the audacity to claim victory because we held the Justin Trudeau Liberals to a minority government. If that's your idea of a leader, folks, uh, I'm sorry, you you must be someone that does fist pumps when the chess game ends in a stalemate, because that ain't victory. Yeah, he lost to a guy who did blackface at least three times, and I'm supposed <laughs> to think that that guy's a winner. Gotcha. Um, before we go on to our next batch of chats, because we did get some, do you think we can bring up that video, speaking of um, how politicians could treat the mainstream media when they're acting dishonestly um, instead of kissing their butts like uh, conservative politicians in Canada do because they're scared of Rosie Barton when they really should be scared of me. Um, <laughs> Ron DeSantis continues to be my oh, favorite yeah. politician on Love the face him. of the earth. Um <laughs> Like I said off the top of the show, please send a bouquet of roses to the family because the journalist who asked this question is now deceased. So <laughs> maybe we can roll ah, that. Does it say that in the bill? Does it say that in the bill? I'm asking you to tell me what's in the bill because you are pushing false narratives. It doesn't matter what critics say. Well, it says instruction on sexual identity and gender orientation. For who? For, for grades pre-K through three. So five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds. And um, the idea that you wouldn't be honest about that and tell people what it actually says, it's why people don't trust people like you because you peddle false narratives. And so we disabuse you of those narratives. And we're going to make sure that parents are able to send their kid to kindergarten without having some of this stuff injected into their school curriculum. Oh, my He's goodness. So good. Sheila, so good. he is so good. And, you know, wouldn't you love to see the next federal conservative leader say that to the media types? Um, but Polyev does a little bit of it. He does a little bit of it lately. And if I may add, <laughs> steal a plank from Maxime Bernier's platform, which is this, defund the CBC. I truly believe that has more thumbs up than thumbs down across Canada. That is a winning proposition. Why should the government be in the broadcasting business in the first place, Sheila? Yeah, for sure. I just think it's so incredible that Ron DeSantis called out the dishonesty. So just for context there, the uh, Florida government is introducing a bill and the left is calling it the don't say gay bill. But it, that's not what it is. <laughs> it drops gender. It basically outlaws teaching little kids, like he said, five, six, seven year olds about gender identity yeah. because that's weird. You're a weirdo. If you want to talk to somebody else's kid about gender identity, first of all, at all against the wishes of the parents, I don't know what's wrong with you. If a parent says, don't talk to my kid about that stuff, do not talk to, to my kid about that stuff or I'm going to come do something terrible. But secondarily, these are little kids age five to seven. 
why do you want to introduce this stuff to them? They're only little for so long. But the media is running around saying, oh, you know, like Ron DeSantis is making it illegal for teachers to say the word gay to little kids or or to children in general. That's not what this is. And so lying about the context of these conversations is exactly what a groomer would do, right? Yeah. You're so right. And Sheila, to answer your question, why would you uh, teach this to five to seven year olds? Well, whether you're an ad agency on Madison Avenue selling beer or a Marxist peddling ideology, as the saying goes, get them young, get them forever. This is all about indoctrination. This is all about getting them at the earliest possible age at five years old. That's kindergarten, right? So this is all about Marxist indoctrination, tearing things down, building back better, uh, so-called. That is the reason that those on the far left want to infiltrate young children like that. I'm telling these people as a parent, do not talk to my kids about this stuff. Yeah. Or I'm going to go nuclear. I'm like the idea that there is this group of adults out there who think that it is not only appropriate, but their place to talk to other people's kids about this very strange stuff. Immediately, my mind goes to your predator. Yep. And yet, Sheila, if you say that to certain U.S. school oh, yeah. boards, you are deemed to be a I'm domestic a terrorist, terrorist <laughs> right? <laughs> Unbelievable. I'll show you terror. You know what? We're a few <laughs> minutes after the 45 that we uh, promised uh, chats on the 15s. Do we have anything to uh, pontificate about, Sheila? We've got a bunch. Annalisa, 1964. This is Annalisa, David Menzies' super fan, yes. uh, head of the David Menzies fan club. She says, she gives us 10 bucks and says, hey, my two faves, internet seems to be working pretty good today, so here's some money, LOL. Oh. Well, thanks, Annalisa. Appreciate Thank that very you. much. Thank you very much, Annalisa. Uh, AMT60 says, where would I find a private lab in Ontario to get my immunity testing, and how much is it to send to the U.S. for testing? Thanks. I, I can't give you advice about where to send it in Ontario. I'm sure there are labs who do it. There's a Western-based company called iCore that I use out here in Alberta. And they just actually introduced a new test this morning because I was like, oh, it's time to book again for next week to do our immunity testing. And they've introduced T-cell immunity, which I think is very interesting because I do not trust, and I think this is just a reasonable assertion, I don't exactly trust the reliability of the COVID-19 testing protocols. Um, because a lot of people get false positives or they test in the morning and then they test in the afternoon and then they're, they were negative, then they were positive. And so uh, someone who thinks that they've never had COVID may have actually just been missed in the testing protocols, but the T-cell immunity would tell you if you've been exposed and developed immunity in that way. And that test just came to the Alberta i lab, I guess, this morning, or at least since I looked at their website site last. But yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, I wish I could give you advice about where to get this lab work done uh, to do immunity testing in Ontario, but I don't know. But I know if you're in Western Canada, you can use i and they take your blood and they send it to the Mayo Clinic 
uh, in the United States and get this sent back. Because if you try to do it through a provincial lab in Alberta, the government says, oh, no, that's you've had too much to think. You can't know this stuff about your own blood work. Uh, sorry, just go get your vaccination. And, and your Sheila, advice. J- just so our viewers know, you've gone through this process in Alberta, have you not? Four times. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and please uh, tell us, what was it like? What was the cost? What was the timeline uh, for those who haven't seen your videos about this? Okay. Yeah. So I've done four of these videos. It is very super convenient. And I was sort of put onto this testing by uh, Vince Byfield of the Byfield family. Um, and he had tried to decide because his dad was elderly living in the home with him and had been vaccinated, but he didn't know if his family had COVID or not. So he decided, well, I'm going to go get the test so that I could use informed decision-making to decide if I need a vaccine. And he tried to get it through his doctor and the doctor said, or the doctor ordered the test, the lab took his blood and then refused to do the test, which was crazy. And then, so he found By the way, private- sorry, Sheila, I didn't mean to interrupt, but what is the ostensible policy reason for the lab saying, no, we're not going to do the test? Well, they just want you to get a vaccine. <sighs> Unbelievable. So... They won't let you decide, well, I need it, I don't need it. They won't let you weigh the risks versus rewards. The provincial mandate is everybody should have a vaccine. So why do you need this information? Unbelievable. So he paid out of pocket, found out, yeah, I had been exposed to COVID. So I thought, okay, well, why don't I do this? Between my friend and I, one of us is vaccinated, one of us isn't. Uh, One of us had COVID, one of us hasn't. So let's start testing to see who runs out of immunity faster, like who's who's who starts running out of antibodies. And we did the testing. We set our baseline testing. It's very convenient to do because it's private, right? You just go online, book your time slot. Um, they run them every 10 minutes. You go in, get your blood drawn. And like five to seven days later, you get your blood work back in an email. You don't have to go in. You don't have to talk to a doctor. It just comes to your email and la-di-da. It's about 130 bucks though every time. So if you don't have money to dish out to prove a point um, about how bad the government is, you this information about your own body is paywalled to you. And yet they tell me that healthcare is universal here in Canada. So anyway, that's what we've been doing, my friend and I, to decide to find out, you know, like, have what we've been told about the COVID vaccination and how even if you've had COVID, you need a vaccine. Is that really true based on our blood work? Mm. And other people could be making these decisions for themselves also, except you can't get this blood work unless you pay for it. So that's what we're doing. Fascinating. Yeah, it's one of the most emailed stories that I get. Like people are constantly emailing me. How do I get this? Why did you start this? It's just like people are very curious about this because it's something you can do for yourself. You're constantly told, you know, all of this data, this macro data, it it applies to you. So if you want to go and get your little snippet of that, the government says, no, 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 you cannot. You know, the audacity of that saying you're not what mature enough for the information. We'll do the thinking for you. We'll do the vaccination policy for you. Um, Pay no attention to that lab assistant behind the curtain there. Unbelievable, Sheila. Well, yeah. And there's a whole host of people out there who were sick. But they didn't want to go get uh, an official government COVID test. This is before rapid tests were sent home everywhere. So they didn't want to go be used as a case count to lock everybody else down. So they did what they you do every time you're sick. You just stay home, don't go to work, keep to yourself. They did that and then they got better. And now 
they, these are people who are not opposed to vaccination. They are just wondering if they need it, if yeah. they need to risk the health complications or whatever to get a vaccine if they already have natural immunity. They just want to know those things. And the government says you can't know them. Just go get a vaccine. But um, to quote that Jack Nicholson line, their opinion is you can't handle the truth, right, Sheila? Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah, it's the stupidest thing. You walk into the doctor and say, I need to know if I'm iron deficient. And the doctor will be like, well, just take an iron supplement anyway, but here's blood work. And they'll order a whole host of lab tests, whether you need them or not, just for fun sometimes. But you can't know this one thing that could inform your health decisions going forward. Yeah. And you don't even need a prescription for Flintstones vitamins, do you, Sheila? No. Nope. What, what's, your fa what's your favorite Flintstones vitamin, Sheila? I don't take Flintstone vitamins. I'm a grown-up. <laughs> I eat meat. That's where I get my vitamins from. And actually, it's Lent, so I'm suffering. <laughs> I just throw out my supplements because they're all like my my iron supplement, my collagen supplement. They're all bovine. Like, they're all like blood of animals. And I'm like, oh, it's Lent. I have to eat the gross marine collagen. <laughs> anyway, okay. I suffer. Um, AMT60 gives us a buck. Sheila, I saw your video about your COVID immunity testing. I had COVID-19 in January and had to be put on a ventilator. Oh, my goodness. And Ooh. almost died. I'm in Ontario and I'm still weak and recovering, but I want an immunity test when I'm better. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're doing better. Wow. Um, and I'll do some poking around and see if I can find somebody in Ontario who does this just sort of in my spare time. But unfortunately, out here in Alberta is all I really know about in Western Canada. I think they are in... Um, Vancouver also. I have a feeling, Sheila, our superb colleague, uh, Tamara Ugolini, might know. Oh, she's such a COVID nerd. <laughs> <laughs> she's like the encyclopedia of COVID. Um, Truly is. We've got five libraries from uh, Came On My Mom. Uh, she gives us five libraries and says, are you able to have Avi Amini on a live stream? I, well, Australia is kind of on the other side of the world. Um, from us and it's I think it's the middle of the night there maybe. yeah we're getting close to the evening so that's why we don't have them on the live stream all that much um, it's just it's late like when we do our evening meeting it's 8 a.m there yeah although so. it would be great to have them on the live stream I'd love to see Avi on the live stream I think he would be so fun yeah uh, Twinks gives us a buck. Is it a step down for a federal candidate for run, to run for premier? I think Paul Yev as PM and Lewis as premier of Ontario would be kick-ass. I don't know. Ask Jason Kenney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah true. <laughs> <laughs> Becca Henderson gives us a buck. I'd like to see Trudeau against Lewis. She's awesome. Also, imagine the optics of Trudeau bashing a black woman running against him, especially after he did blackface. <laughs> oh, He'd be so conflicted with his anti-racism and attacking opposition. Yeah, a fem and he's a feminist too, right? Oh, my God, Sheila. Justin Trudeau would uh, essentially be, if he was a country, he'd be demilitarized. He can't throw out the misogyny card. He can't throw out the racism card if you're debating a black female. And especially since with his baggage of being a groper to a female journalist, of wearing blackface so many times that in the prime minister's own words, he doesn't know 
uh, how many yep. times he's done it. And you know what? And I've always said, folks, if you look at those blackface pictures, this is what really bugs me even more than the blackface. He's always sticking out his tongue like a reptile. It, it like. What kind of warped vision does Justin Trudeau have of black people that they go about with like their tongue sticking out like they're a dog panting? And I'm not making this up. You know what I'm talking about, Sheila. Yeah, Every yeah, yeah. picture has him like the tongue sticking out. What is the connection with that and being black? I don't know. There you go. Look at this. Look racist. at this. What a disgrace. Is that bananas on his shirt? Uh, I... Uh, um, Olivia saying, yeah, she thinks so. Like, what an unbelievable racist. I think about photo <laughs> too. He, uh, he even like his jeans are ripped and he black, he blackened like the rips in his jeans so that the, the skin showing through the rip oh, was black. Like, why, he's just, why would he be so obsessed with this? What do you think, Sheila? I mean, like, I'm not trying to be funny or mocking. I'm, I'm, I'm just wondering what's in his head to make him do this. I don't know. I don't know. I think he just thinks black people are costumes that you can put on. Much the same way that, you know, some people think being a woman is just a costume that you can put on and a feeling that you have. Huh. It's not a feeling. <laughs> it's a thing. But oh, um, what a feeling but, if you are a woman, right? <laughs> I don't know. That's another thing, too. When people are like, no, I I feel like a woman. And I'm like, I don't know what that feels like. That just feels like being alive. So I don't know how you can say <laughs> that you feel like being a woman when I don't know what that feels like. That's just my existence. So how do you how do you quantify that? Well, I love the women of the planet, uh, what they do I in terms of trying to, make, <laughs> and trying to uh, make themselves look good. And more importantly, just the act of childbirth. If men with their pain aversion uh, characteristic had to give childbirth, Sheila, I think Homo sapiens is looking at our extinction event. Okay. <laughs> It's true. <laughs> okay, let's keep going. We've got uh, King7734 gives us five bucks. Isn't Brown's campaign manager Waleed Solomon, same as O'Toole's? All betas. Apparently that manager has dirt on Pierre. I don't know who Brown's campaign manager is, although that wouldn't surprise me to hear that it was Waleed Solomon. Um, well, they're close friends. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if they have dirt on Pierre, I'm not sure that I care. Um, I think we're beyond that with blackface groper um, and all of that stuff. I don't know how we could be outraged about anything that Pierre may have done that was even remotely anywhere near that. I guess we're supposed to be outraged that uh, Andrew Shear was selling insurance without <laughs> having all the boxes checked or something. Didn't have um, a full brokerage a license. <laughs> that was some kind of crisis when it's like, didn't I got grope? a lady but whatever um so i don't I, I don't know i think conservatives just can't even put up with this stuff anymore if cbc lights its hair on fire over something you just say i don't care i but don't she, care remember that guy did blackface yeah three times but sheila in justin trudeau's defense he never once billed a 16 dollar glass of orange juice to the taxpayer <laughs> 
Oh, I'm, I'm sure actually it was probably more. And it was mixed <laughs> for his really expensive vodka for the like That's tens right. of thousands of dollars <laughs> in booze that he spent on like six flights or five flights in the Challenger and oh. hundreds of thousands of dollars in food. But yeah, Bevoda's $16 orange juice. You know why they didn't like Bevoda? She was cool. That's why. Yeah. Oh, I know. She was always taking smoke breaks. And wearing sunglasses and like having a dart. She's this little Japanese lady and she yeah. was kind of cool. And she did. She had like zero F's to give about anything. Yeah. That was why they had to get rid of Bevoda. Cool and conservative. Cool. Yeah. And yeah. a minority lady. So they're yeah. like, oh, no, she's got to go. And they she, did. And, because, and they got us on the, th- the one thing that we care about, not wasting taxpayers money. She wasn't the right type of minority lady in terms of as much as the left loves diversity. They don't much care for a diversity of opinions unless you are a leftist. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's funny how all of a sudden the the liberals and the mainstream media were fiscal conservatives <laughs> over Bevoda's orange juice. <laughs> yeah. Okie doke. Uh, Kushi, 1124, gives us five bucks. I'm in school for education, bless your heart. And a whole unit of study was on talking to kids about gender identity. Do not talk to my kids about gender identity. Don't. If you want to be okay, don't talk to my kids about gender identity. The whole thing made my indoctrination radar go off. Thank you for that. Good for you, Kushi. Yep. Becca Henderson gives us a buck. Those Democrats dancing in the mall chanting gay <laughs> like like they're all completely drunk and about to collapse yeah like they don't they're not even chanting anything that's in the bill yeah. they're just completely making it up they're like the media said this and then the media say critics say your don't say gay bill it's like no you're just a liar let's oh roll this goodness. this is so stupid can we turn the sound up we roll that again? They light them up. You know, I think the most offended people should be gay people. I mean, when you see these gay pride uh, marches, uh, Sheila, uh, they really know how to dance and have a good time. Look at those squares. Just like they're almost frog marching, for goodness sake. <laughs> Lay off the apple pie shooters, ladies. Like that, they're just staggering around. I've had somebody stuff me in an Uber when I was carrying on like that. Like, get- <laughs> Look at oh, man. Oh, the way she moves, the way she grooves, Sheila Gunn. <laughs> Those ladies are in every bar once she turned 40. I know like, what I'm thinking about. Like that. <laughs> you know what it's reminiscent of, Sheila? It's the infamous Elaine Bennis uh, Christmas party dance. <laughs> that one? That, yeah, that's so funny. Can you feet up? Yeah. Everyone behind them is mocking them. <laughs> yeah. Except those people, they it was like a American Gladiator style gauntlet that they were dancing along where everyone's like lined up on the side <laughs> holding their signs. Totally not staged for the camera. Really spontaneous, you guys. Really spontaneous. Um, Twinks gives us a buck. Remember before the politically correct loonies, the word gay meant happy. The moral decay of the world has manifested in so-called education systems for years. Andy Jane gives us 10 bucks. Well, thank you so much. The school system is a mess. This is why parents are turning to learning pods. I'm also a proud supporter of Rebel News. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Um, that's one thing I think of the, the pandemic has maybe given some parents some confidence 
in uh, being able to educate their kids because they had to. Teachers didn't want to teach in classroom. So parents were doing the online learning thing and lurking over their kid's shoulder while they were on the computer. And they all of a sudden thought, mm, this isn't so hard. And I know exactly what they're learning right now. And I don't have to do that whole like quiz them when they walk in the door like I do. Um, and so, you know, maybe it, it, it'll it be a good thing in the end. It'll be one of those like bright lights in the middle of the dark pandemic that parents now have the confidence to do a little bit of homeschooling on their own. Oh, you're so right, Sheila. I think with the, the Skype and Zoom learning, uh, parents got a window into the classroom. And whereas they expected the kids to be taught the three R's, suddenly it's CRT, critical race theory. And yeah. they were horrified. And just look what happened in uh, West Virginia. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? P parents. And that's the thing. The Democrats are clearly not learning. Yeah. A Democrat state flipped because this stuff is crazy. Yep. Do you think it's going to fly in Ron DeSantis's Florida? You idiots. <laughs> Gosh. Okay. Last, uh, last chat. Okay. Uh, five libraries from Alberta separatist. The reason why the government had shut down gatherings in pubs, restaurants, gyms, weddings, hospital visits, churches during the last two years is because that is where people counsel mischief against tyrannical governments. Research patriots in the USA between 1965, or sorry, 1765 and 1783, and where they met. That is true. They met in churches and pubs. And so if you don't want people getting ideas, um, sharing ideas with their friends, or guided by a moral compass, then you don't want people going to those two places, that's for sure. And, you know, the, the lubrication of the mind that comes with a couple of drinks, or the shutdown of the mind, as you can see from those ladies <laughs> dancing. <laughs> How embarrassing. Well, the folks, worst, right? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that hour and a bit just flew by so super fast. Hey, listen, thank you all to those of who uh, of whom tuned in, especially those who uh, gave uh, a bit of do re me so we can keep the lights on. And thank you to uh, Miss Super Producer Olivia behind the board there and my co-host Sheila Gunn-Reed. There'll be two other rebels uh, that will be hosting this show at 12 noon Eastern tomorrow. Sheila and I will be back on Thursday. And in the meantime, as always, stay sane. We have sent aid. We have sent weapons. We will continue to send support uh, to Ukrainians as they stand and defend not just their country, but defend democracy, defend the values that underpin democracy, and in fact, defend us all. Uh, those weapons are much more useful right now and in the coming weeks in the hands of Ukrainian soldiers fighting for their lives uh, than they would be in Canadian hands. But of course, we need to make sure we replace those weapons rapidly and that we continue to invest in the equipment uh, that leads uh, our armed forces uh, to be able to continue to contribute, not just uh, in places like here in Latvia, but everywhere around the world. We have sent aid. We have sent